Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Oh, come on, man. It's 2016, right? Anybody brought 15 still? Well, who writes anymore? We type. Anybody typed? Texted 2015. Hey, my name is Matt. Welcome to New City Church. And um, we're going to, uh, this message is one that I kind of had in my heart for some time. And uh, bits and pieces have made it out in different conversations. But today I thought there's not a better day than our very first Sunday of the new year to kind of look at what uh, Jesus, how Jesus started his ministry. Maybe here's how I want us to start. I want us to start by standing and reading the scripture together. All right. So maybe for some of us, this is the first time you've read the Bible all year. All right. All year. So we're going to start off right reading the Bible. You're like, I don't read the Bible. Well, we're going to change that right now. All right. Let's read first Corinthians chapter nine together. Paul says this. Do you not know that all the runners in a stadium compete, but only one receives the prize? So run to? Let's do that again. When? Emphasize. Run to? I love it. Each competitor must exercise self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run uncertainly or box like one who hits only air. Instead, I subdue my body and make it a... So that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Amen. You may be seated. You can continue to stand. I'm going to stand. Do whatever you want to do. I think Paul wrote that on December the 31st. Right? In preparation for the next year. Does that not sound like a New Year's resolution type of message? Like, I want you to win. The staff, the leaders, the discipling leaders of New City Church, we want you to win. I want to win. Like, if you're kind of curious, like, Matt, how does your mind work? Like, I want to win. I want to succeed in life. I want to do well. I don't want to walk around like Eeyore, woe is me right? Even in the good, even in the bad times when things are tough, I I trust that the scripture says that you can have peace and you can have victory even in rough things. And that's what I want to experience in my life. And that's what I want you to experience. And if um, we we kind of make two New Year's resolutions, Uh, there's two common ones, right? One deals with physical health and the other one with spiritual health. People say, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to eat better. So if you grab your donut out there, eh, you already messed it up, right? Right? Or you say, you know what? But you're here this morning. The spiritual health, like I want to be a better person. We say that in a lot of different ways. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read. I'm going to do these things. And um, uh, man, we're really, really interested in your spiritual health. And if you will try, like I think being a part of a local body, a local church is really important. Is it the only thing? No, but it is a key thing as you continue to follow Jesus. I've been a part of the local church since I started my uh, journey following Jesus back when I was 19 years old. It's been a consistent part of my life. And I've had lots of different types of experiences on that Sunday morning. But each one, the good ones and the bad ones, have all helped propel me to following Jesus. Are you with me? Is this, the, is this how we sum up our faith, being at church on Sunday? Not at all. But it's a way for us to continue to stay focused towards the things that Jesus said, things that we read in the Bible. So I'm really glad that you're here today. And um, we make resolutions. We say those kinds of things that we're going to do this. Uh, because here's what I, I think. I think there are all of us in this room, we have different needs. We come in with different needs. Uh, some of us need help with our uh, budgeting. Like our, our finances are a complete disaster. That's the thing that you guys argue and fight over maybe a lot. You always feel like you don't have money. Um, you're, you're struggling in your relationship. Like your marriage is frustrating. And uh, if you just pray that they would get their act together in 2016. See, I said it again, 15. That you, you pray that they would just get their act together this year, right? Um, you're, you have issues with your children. 
right? There's issues at work. There's issues in your other relationships. Some of you, it's dating. You're just, you're hoping to find love or you're hoping to figure out this. I mean, like we come in here with all of these different needs. And if you're not careful, you will start off the year focused on those needs and yet skip the most important thing. And the most important thing is that you start not with a better understanding of Jesus, but you start with the person of Jesus. See, the, the follower follows an actual person, not just the ideas of that person. Jesus had a ton of great teachings. Amen? He did. But we actually follow a person and what this person Jesus did for us. And if we skip the person of Christ and we just go on to, I need a budgeting class. Let me take Ramsey's class. Or, hey, let me go to prepare and, prepare and enrich and, and just work on my marriage. And, and, and we leapfrog the things of Christ and what Jesus says. Then I think that you might see a 2016 that looked a lot like 2015 where you're just frustrated. So today I want to talk to us about how do we start like Jesus started. And um, I know everybody loves pop quizzes. That's like one of the favorite things ever a test. People love tests, right? So here's a pop quiz for you. The pop quiz is this. It's on your bulletin. To the best of your understanding, and it's also on the app, to the best of your understanding, list in order how, how you think, how you understand Jesus started his ministry. What did he do? First, second, third, and so on, all right? So I'm not going to tell you how many they are. If you can read ahead on the bulletin, you'll kind of get it, right? But uh, list how you think Jesus started. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Dennis, can we have some like cool 30-second pop quiz music? Go. That's like making you feel dumb on the first day of the year, right? Way to go, Matt. Thanks a lot. You're smarter than you think. We'll do 10 more seconds. Four, three, two. That felt like 30 seconds. I really didn't count. All right, so it's like when your kids, they want to go get something, and the only way we can get them to do it is if you tell them that you'll time them. Anybody do that? I'll count. Go. And, and as soon as they're out of the sight, you quit counting. I can't hear you, they yell. Oh, 30, 31. Anyway, so... Maybe I'm the only dad that does that. Okay. Back in the back, Dennis Grimm says, I do that too. Oh, manipulation. So there was a specific way that Jesus started. I don't know if you knew that. Jesus um, had a plan. And why is this important? I would like to say this is important because I believe that not only are Jesus' words ordained, but also his methods. And so not only should we look and see what Jesus said, but we should also look and see what Jesus did. And maybe we should also uh, follow him not only in what he said, but actually follow in what he did. Now he started his ministry. And so we're going to look at that today. And this is found in the very first chapter of Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 20. And I want to read that to you now. And we're going to kind of break it down a little bit. All right? There's seven steps. There's seven things that Jesus did as he started his ministry. And we start with this in Mark chapter 1, verse 9. Now in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my one dear Son, in you I take great delight. The Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, enduring temptations from Satan. He was with wild animals, and angels were ministering to his needs. Now, after John was imprisoned, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the gospel of God. 
He said, this was his gospel, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. As he went along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, cast in a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will turn you into fishers of people. They left their nets immediately and followed him. Going on a little further, he saw, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in their boat uh, mending nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now within that passage, 9 through 20, verses 9 through 20, there are seven things that Jesus did, and he did them in, a, I believe, a very particular order. And I believe that order is important for you and for I. And I will say that there are many of these things maybe that you have done, but I would probably say that if we were to put a timeline out in your life, you might have done these things out of order. For example, ministry is going to be one of the things that Jesus did. And oftentimes, ministry is one of the first things that we do, but in the life of Jesus, it's one of the last things that he does, as far as in priority order. And we get our life all out of order, out of shape, and I'm my thesis that I'm going to proclaim or say to you guys today is maybe if there's any spiritual frustration in your life right now, it might be because you are doing the right thing in the wrong order outside of the way Jesus said to do it. Does that make you sinner? Nope. But let's learn to see what Jesus did and then let's adjust our thinking to God's because this is, this is the premise, right? The premise is that we can either pray and talk to God trying to get him to change his mind so that our life will be easier. Like, God, will you change your will so that my life is easier? Or we could do the way that I think we see in Scripture, where God says, here is my way, here is my plan. You, my creation, are responsible to adjust your life to me. And you can go an entire 360, what is it today? The 60-something days, the rest of this year, begging God to change his will to suit your lifestyle, and you will live a very frustrated spiritual year. But, if you do the reverse and you say, all right, God, even when it's discomforting for me, even when it's frustrating, I'm going to adjust my life to what you say, then I think you will find victory after the frustration because Jesus's ways work. And so let's look at step number one. The step one that we must take if we're going to start like Jesus is simply salvation. Salvation. Notice it says, now in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. Matt, are you saying Jesus was saved? No, Jesus was the method of our salvation. But Jesus came from something into something else. And this is really important because I put in there, salvation means deliverance. Salvation means deliverance. Some of us in this room, we call ourselves saved, but yet we're still in the same muck and mire that we've been in for years, for months. Like you, you confess to be saved, but yet you haven't been delivered from it. I've used this illustration often because I think it just makes, makes sense in my head. It's like you are in a foster care and you have this God who wants to adopt you into his loving family. And you say, yes, I want to be adopted, but I don't want to move. I want to stay in this orphanage. I want to stay in this, in this boy's home. I want to stay in this girl's home. And, and God, thank you for adopting me, but I don't want to move. And in each of our lives, listen, when you are saved, Jesus always, always pulls you out of something into something new. He pulls you out of your kingdom into his kingdom. And there's nothing more frustrating than a person who is uh, kind of quasi following Jesus that stays in their kingdom with new kingdom information and knowledge. And you're not experiencing the power of that. 
It's like you know all of this stuff, but this stuff isn't making kind of any difference in your life. And it's because you haven't moved. You haven't been delivered. You've chosen to remain in your mess. And I'm telling you, every time in Scripture, there has to be something that you come from into the kingdom. That is salvation. And some of you have taken, listen, it is a gift to you. It is not something that you earn. I mean, God has called you into his family. He said, listen, he has gone to the orphanage and he says, you, I choose you. You're the one I want. I'm bringing you into my home. And like when you choose to stay there, it's kind of like getting that water hose that has this great flow of water going through it. And you take it and you just bend it. You put a big crink in that water hose and that water, instead of flowing strong, it's just dripping out. And that's what your spiritual life is like a slow drip instead of a mighty rushing water. Men, allow the spirit first thing to deliver you. Some of you got to move. Some of you have to move. But you don't want to move because over here, man, you know where your stuff is. And man, you don't want to have to go through the struggle of going through memories or going through hardships. But listen, you got to pack up the boxes and you got to move into the kingdom of God. Because if you stay back there this year and yet hear all of this spiritual information that we're going to continue to preach to you from the word of God, you're going to be so frustrated. And you're going to be the one that said, well, I gave God a try. and He just didn't work for me. Well, duh. Duh. Come on. Does really cool. Is that what the young people say? I don't know what young people say. I, I blogged about this this week. Romans chapter 1. Look what Paul writes. Very first chapter. He says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news of Christ lived, Christ died, Christ lived again. For it is God's power. What is the power of God? It's the gospel. It's God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous by faith will live. Some of you are trying to, I'm going to talk, speaking specifically now to the righteousness by faith will live. Actually, right above that, it in, in the gospel from faith to faith. Here's how I understand that. Some of you are desperately hoping and praying that somebody that you know and you love will move into the kingdom of God, but yet you haven't moved yet. They are going to be inspired by the gospel to see how you've moved and how your story has been changed, how God has taken your life and how he's transformed your life into his kingdom. But if you're hoping that something will happen for them that's not happened in you, well, nothing's going to happen. For you are the, you are the method. I am not going into your workplace. I am not going to your family reunion. And I'm not going to represent Jesus in the places of influence that God has placed you. That is where God has you. And I'm telling you, when you move there will be movement. I'm telling you, if you'll choose to move this year, for those of you who have not done that yet, I'm not asking you to get smarter in Jesus. I'm talking to you to follow the man. That's step one. Step number two is this. It's baptism. What does Jesus say? I mean, what does the scripture say? What does Mark record? After he came from Nazareth and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. I'm just reading straight down the line here. I'm not skipping ahead. I didn't skip anything. Jesus came. Right For you and I, we come from something to his kingdom. And the second thing, what do we do? We, be, we are baptized. And some of you right here have skipped this step and you've gone on to other things. This is really important. You can't st- skip the order that Jesus provides. Well, Matt, you don't understand. You're right, I don't. This is what it says. Well, my granny will get mad at me because she's Catholic. Well, this is going to be really hard for some of you to hear. Granny ain't Lord. I love my granny, but granny ain't Lord. Granny's granny. And sometimes we got to stand up to granny to follow Jesus. Well, Matt, my husband just won't understand. All right, this is going to be hard, okay? Live your faith in front of your husband. Wives, live your faith in front of your husband. 
Show him that you have moved and see what God does in your house. Husbands, same thing. Live your faith. I'm not asking you to be rogue and disrespect your spouse. No, no, no. There's an order to things here. But let's pay attention to them. Look what it says. If you want to turn your insert over on Acts chapter 2. Because uh, you're like, well, Matt, that's what Mark says. But is that, is that, is that kind of preaching that, that idea of baptism? Is it also through the rest of the scriptures? Actually, it is. After Peter gives this dynamic message after the day of Pentecost, people are so stirred by his words, they say to him, what should we do? And notice what Peter says. He says, repent, which is an idea of salvation, because what is repentance? Repentance is not, I'm sorry. That's not repentance. Repentance is moving from one way of thinking into something else, right? Salvation, and each one of you be what? Oh, come on, I'm going to make you read the word. Because see, when I say it, you can tell me no. But this is the part about reading the Bible. Jesus, what are you saying? God, what are, saying, what are you saying to me in your word? And then what must I do with it? Salvation first, and then baptism. I care, I'm, I'm really not giving you any out if you've skipped this step. I know it's hard, right? Like, why did I come today? Well, because you need to hear this, right? Peter says, repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Step number three. What is the third thing that Jesus did? Notice this. And, and just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, so he came from Nazareth, he was baptized, and just as he, Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. The third step is this, to acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. So, Matt, you're saying that I can't have the Holy Spirit unless I've been baptized. Well, all I'm just doing is reading what the Word says. And the Word says that Jesus received the Spirit not before, but after he was baptized. That might mess with some of you. I don't know. But what is the step that I have here is for those of us who have been saved, who have been baptized, is to acknowledge the fact that Jesus didn't do anything. He came up out of the water and the Spirit descended upon him. And it's acknowledging the Spirit's working in your life. Some of us have gone deaf to the working of the Spirit in your life. Some of us have tuned him out because we would rather do what we want to do than what God wants to do. And what I just said, I said on purpose, the Spirit's responsibility is to lead you on the path of righteousness. Look what Jesus says in John chapter 16. He says this to his disciples. It's one of the last things he said to them. He says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I am going away. For if I do not go away, the advocate, aka Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, he's talking about the cross, but if I go, I will send him to you. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, again, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, catch this. The Holy Spirit will not speak on his own authority, but will speak whatever he hears and will tell you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will receive from me what is mine and will tell it to you. Remember what Jesus said? I'm going to hit pause. Jesus said, I only do that which I see the Father doing. Like Jesus didn't go about his own business. He only did what he saw the Father doing. The Father communicated to him, and then he did it. And he's saying, now, it's good for you that I'm gone, because the very same thing that I had, you're going to have in the Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit resides in you. And as the Father communicates to me, I communicate to the Spirit, and the Spirit is directing you. He will glorify me because then he will receive from me what is mine and will tell it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what is mine and will tell it to you. This year, could I ask some of us in the room that are on step three to begin to acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? 
The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, okay, not just here, not just in worship with holy hands lifted high. He wants to speak to you in your marketplace. He wants to speak to you when you go from here to there, whether it's to a restaurant, to a family gathering, and to your work. Most of us are going to go to work this week, and that's where we're going to spend the majority of our time. I have you for one hour. Your company has you from 8 to 12 hours a day, maybe some of you even more. And the idea is the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you there just as much as right here. Charlie Blair, one of our elders, has a new blog called Life Engaged. And Charlie has the heart to help us understand our calling in the workplace. This week, Charlie is going to write a blog or going to post a blog that he's been writing about what did Jesus do pre- previous to coming from Nazareth into, in Nazareth into Galilee? I mean, he was 30-something years old. What about Jesus' first 30 years? Isn't it interesting? My argument would be that he lived his life, he was a carpenter, by the way, in the marketplace so well that when he went and started things, he had a great reputation. And that's what Charlie's been talking to me about. And he's going to, I've asked him to write some blogs on that because most of us in this room, we're going to go to work and it's kind of like we take off the Jesus hat and we put on the company hat and we forget that, man, the Holy Spirit's trying to... All of the miracles that the disciples did that we read about in the scriptures, you know where they happened? Not at church on Sunday morning, not at temple on Saturday at synagogue. They happened in the marketplace going from point A to point B. That's where the majority of the, uh, the, the miracles happened. Yet for you and I, we want to sum everything up to, hey, you got to get to church on Sunday. No, 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 listen. The Holy Spirit is alive and well in you. And it's time that we acknowledge Him, step three, and allow the Spirit to direct our path. This is where I would say that we need to quit doing good stuff and start doing God's stuff. And the enemy keeps you and I so busy doing good stuff. We see good needs. We go and we start meeting all these needs. We meet all these needs. And the enemy keeps us so busy doing good things that we don't have the time to listen to the very thing that God wants us to do. Look in the scriptures. There were all kinds of times when people wanted Jesus to do good things. And he would say, it's not my time. I don't listen to you. I listen to the Father. Step three, acknowledge the Spirit. Number four. This is hard, right? Because when we get into three and four and uh, five, people skip three, four, and five. Some of you skip step two. But most everyone skips three, four, and five. Step four is discover your identity. This is why our discipling process is so key at New City Church, because we, we hit this really hard. Discover your identity. Following that scripture from Mark chapter 1, and so he, Jesus is baptized, he comes up out of the water, the heavens open, the, the Spirit descends on him. At the same time, the next thing that happens, and a voice came from heaven, you are my one dear son, in you I take great delight. This is fun. Up to this point, what has Jesus done? What has he done? Nothing. You're right. He's been a carpenter. He's made benches and stools and tables. He hasn't walked on the water. He hasn't healed a blind person. He hasn't fed 5,000 people. He's done nothing but came from Nazareth to Galilee, was baptized, received the Spirit, and just because of his identity, because of who he was in the Father, the Father says, hey, you're my boy and I love you. Why is this important, church? Your identity shapes you. Your identity forms you. Your identity causes you to act the way that you act. And most of us, if we're not careful, myself included, I've had to learn this in the last two years. Your identity gets jacked up by other things, false things. And all of a sudden, your identity is shaped maybe by being a great mom or a great dad or the the, the business owner or the best employee. And so everything you do, you know what? In our culture, you guys, I think, will agree to me on this. Our identity gets shaped up in our sexuality. And so everything that we do, every choice we make gets defined by some point of our, of our identity. And listen, that's why we do weird, jacked up things. 
our identity as followers of Jesus, catch this, it must be in who we belong to. That's it. God is not impressed by what you do. He doesn't love you because of what you do. I think it puts a smile on his face, but it's not the reason for his love. He loves you simply because you are in the family. Again, he walked into your life to your boys or girls home and said, listen, I want you, but I haven't done anything. doesn't matter. My love is not based on what you do. I adopt you. I love you. Come home with me. And you're in the family. Some of you have spent your life trying to impress God, to earn his love, to earn his affection, to create for him a reason to bless you. Listen, Jesus did nothing except the salvation, the baptism, the spirit, and then, oh, hey, you come up out of the water, a new creation, you're my son, you're my daughter. That's the fourth step. Number five is this, preparation. Ooh, come on, skip it. We'll skip this one. Don't worry about it. We'll skip it. Here we go. Step five, preparation. Following the scriptures, you can read this all week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to blog on each one of these, by the way, for the next several, whatever, maybe days, maybe weeks, I don't know. We're going to blog on these thoughts. The Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, and during temptations from Satan, he was with wild animals and angels and were ministering to his needs. This is why you need to do the men's expedition. I'm just kidding. That's not what we're going to do. Um, um, preparation. Okay, 15 minutes. There are, there's two ways I want to talk about this. There is a responsibility on the spiritual. Like Jesus went and did a 40-day fast. Now, this is really hard, so I'm just going to say it like this. Jesus did it. You have to ask yourself, should you? You cannot do this because Pastor Matt said to do it. Because 40-day fast, right, is extremely hard. It's, it's really, really difficult, right? Because Jesus went to the wilderness, right, was alone. You're probably going to go to work, right, and have responsibilities. You've got to really think through this. If, if you do a, a 40-day type, type of fast. Now, when we get into Lent this year, the church, as a body of Christ, as a family, we're going to walk into a 40-day type of fast. We're going to encourage all of us to do some type of fast and prayer. We're going to, we're going to have fun with it, right? But when you think about this for your own life, starting in January, what do you do in this preparation? Don't just, listen, some of us are like go-getters. I'm going to fast. I'm starting tomorrow. And here's why you can't do that. You got to do this because God's telling you to do it, because you can't make a commitment to God and say you're going to do it and then get into day four and go, oh, okay, I'm not going to do this. I'm just kidding. You can't make commitments like that to God. And then like, if you're going to say you're going to do it, then you got to do it. And so that's why I would say be slow, right? So that's one thing. Be, be very careful. Before you do that, let's talk, talk to somebody and get a plan, somebody who's done it. Here's the other way I'd like to talk to you about preparation. I think it's in this time of preparation. So let me lead up to it again, the steps. You've acknowledged Jesus has your salvation. You've been baptized. And again, a lot of these things are boom, 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 right? Would you agree? Identity takes a while, but salvation fast. Baptism can happen right afterwards. Receive the spirit coming up out of the water. Identity, that's where it takes a little bit of time to unpack. So we have to unlearn some things. Preparation is where life begins, following Jesus. It is here in the preparation, all those things that I mentioned earlier that we need. Remember that? How like we come to church because we need help in our finances, we need help in our marriage, we need help dating, we need help with our kids. I, I believe that it's in this time of preparation that Jesus invites you to begin to in, in, include his principles into whatever area of life you need him the most in. It's just in time, Jesus. It's just in time, Jesus. Like wherever you're struggling, Jesus has an answer, a solution for your problem. He says, he, you will never find a time where Jesus goes, oh, I don't know what to do with you. 
He always knows. He has an answer. There is a principle. There is a scripture for you to step into and follow. And I believe it is after your salvation and baptism and the spirit and understanding your identity that all of a sudden you start going, okay, I need to improve. I need to mature. I need to grow up in these areas of my life. And some of you, all right, have been working on preparation for a long time and you've skipped the things that I've just talked about. And the reason you haven't had a win in the preparation is because you're doing it on your power, your strength, and not God's. Now you're praying to God and you're asking to God and you're reading about God, but you've done it in a jacked up order. But this is the time, I believe this, when you go to work on you and you begin to mature. You begin to mature. Well, Matt, I'm 65. What do you mean? No, I'm not talking about you need to grow hair in places that you don't grow hair. I'm talking about that you need to mature as a person, as an individual. That you need to, you, you, there, there, there's a time where you've you got to have a budget. Unless you're just, if you're just stinking wealthy, then okay, have a ball, right? Let's talk after service. But the majority of us need a budget to live on. And this woo willy nilly stuff. Listen, that, that's what that's how a fourteen year old acts. With me, there comes a time where uh, the same argument that you've had with your spouse year after year after year, that that stuff gets settled and gets figured out, and there's a resolution so that you can move forward as a family. There's a time to to do that, and it's this season, this season of preparation. Um. We can't skip it. You can't skip you and go right to step six. Step six is ministry. Now, here's why you can't skip step five. I'm going to bounce back, right? And this is what we do. We get saved. We get baptized. We come up out of the water. We don't really understand the Holy Spirit. He's like that weird uncle that shows up at the reunion, right? Don't understand the Spirit. Uh, forget identity. We've never even heard about that till today. And we go right to serving. We go right to ministry. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Give me something to do. Give me something to do. And here's the problem with that. When you skip identity and you skip preparation, ministry will lead to discipling on some level. And here's the thing. People got to want your life. People got to want your life. Like if you're going to work and your whole life, because you haven't taken time to prepare yourself and you're still struggling with things that you've been struggling with for years, people look at you and they're like, yeah, yeah, I don't want that. The reason you got to go to work on you is because when it comes to follower of Jesus, we are the ecclesia. We are the called out ones. God is going to use you in 2016 to influence other people. This is how the church grows. The body of Christ grows. This is how salvation happens. Faith on faith. But if your life is so jacked up and your friends and your family look at you and they're like, dude, you're crazy. Man, the kingdom will move slowly in your neighborhood. But if you get your life in order and all of a sudden you have these wins and what once was an issue is no longer an issue. And what once was a fight was no longer a fight. And all of a sudden people are looking at you and they're like, dude, you're not the same cat anymore. That was what happened to my family. My mom and dad, they weren't in church. I was a young kid. I was 19 years old. And you know what the thing was that changed my father and my mother? It started with my dad. My dad asked me to take out the trash one time and I, I, I did something crazy. I did it. I, I'm, this is, I'm serious. I did it without mouthing off because I'm a smart elk. Oh, I'm, I'm, so, I'm such a pain in the butt. You got to hang out with me. I'll make you so mad, right? And, I, and, I, and I, I just said, okay. And I got up and I took out the trash. And I later learned that my dad said to my mom, as I'm outside taking out the trash, which I hated, by the way. I didn't all of a sudden, oh, Jesus, now I love trash. No, 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 no. I had read that scripture, respect thy father and thy mother right? And I took out the trash and I didn't mouth off and I didn't complain. I did it. And while I was taking the trash, my dad said to my mother, there is something different about Matt. Faith on faith. Yes, even the trash man. 
can influence his parents. What happens next? My mom and dad begin going to church. They rededicate their life because they were followers who had wandered away. And here we are. Right? People got to want your life. And so don't skip preparation because you don't want to go to work on you. Will it be fun? Most of the times, probably not. Probably not. But that is why the heart of our discipling, the heart of being in relationships here at New City Church, is we're not asking you to do it alone. Man, we want to do it with you. Not for you. I'm not going to do it for you. But man, I'd love to do it with you and along the journey. Step six is ministry. After Jesus had 40 days of preparation... Now, after John was imprisoned, Jesus went into Galilee. So there wasn't just like day 41, he started. Some stuff happened. He probably went and got some food because he's hungry, right? And it says, after John was imprisoned, Jesus went into Galilee and he proclaimed the gospel of God. He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. Step six is when Jesus actually starts doing churchy stuff. Step six of the seven is when God begins to uh, his ministry. And yet some of us, so we make it the second thing we do. We jump from I'm saved to what do you want me to do? How can I serve? What can I, let me be a witness. Let me be an evangelist. Let me go and tell everybody about Jesus. And I love the spirit and I love the heart, but it's just not in the right order. And all of a sudden, once you get past all your fancy words and your fun illustration and the people actually look at you and see how you're living your life and what it's like for you at home and how they go, I don't, I don't want that Jesus. That Jesus looks jacked up. No, oh, man. We want to see somebody who has been with Jesus. We want to see the man, the woman who has been formed and shaped by Jesus go into ministry and begin to serve. Because that's when step seven happens. Check this out. And as he went along, preaching this gospel, doing his ministry, right? Jesus saw Simon and Andrew. Then he sees James and John. And Jesus identifies people within his walk that he invited personally to follow him into disciple making. And that's the seventh step. There's not a follower of Jesus that is not expected to take step seven. You take step seven at the seventh step. You don't come out of the baptism and go, okay, I'm going to start making disciples. You don't know what to tell them. You can tell them about your experience and you can tell them, man, what happened to you. And you can recount where you were and how God found you. But you can't tell them yet what it looks like to grow in the Lord. You can't talk to them yet about what it looks like when you were living this way and, and God went to work on you and begin to shape, shape your life in a specific way. But if you've, had a time, if you've got your identity figured out in Christ and you've given a 40-day-plus time of preparation for the Spirit to go to work on your areas of your life that are kind of messed up, and then you get involved with ministry and you're beginning to find out the gifts God has given you and how you can play those out in this kingdom, in this body of believers then all of a sudden you're ready to look at somebody and say, hey, I've been doing this for a little bit of time and God's really done something in me. I think you probably have seen that. I invite you to follow me as I follow him. You want to do that? And that's what we're doing as best as we can. Now, here's how we're going to end this time. I'm going to ask Curtis and Marjorie to come on back up. On the back side of your, this is, listen, there's got to be movement. Right? There's got to be, like, if the only thing you did today was come to church and say, wow, Matt made seven really clear points out of Mark chapter seven. I didn't, I mean, Mark chapter one, I did not know that about Jesus. That's not the win. Here is the win for me, right? Is on the back, when you say the 2016 spiritual checklist, I'm curious for you. This, you're not turning this into me. This is for you. Which of those seven things have you done or not yet started? Or what are you in the middle of? And just be honest. Was it Shakespeare that said, to thine own self be true? 
right? Not, oh, I want to check this because I'm going to do that this year. No, 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 no. I'm not asking you what you're going to do. Where are you currently? I have received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Check. Listen, if you haven't done that yet, I would be a horrible pastor if I just moved right along. This is the gospel of Jesus. That in your mess, in your sin, he doesn't say to you, hey, get your life figured out. Go to work on yourself, that preparation, and then you can move into my kingdom. That's not what Jesus does. In your sin, in your mess, in your pain, in your, in, in just in the muck and the mire, the Father comes to your heart and he says, I choose you. And I love you. He says, Bo, I love you. He says, Caitlin, I love you. Rachel, I love you. And you're like, God, I haven't done anything. Actually, I've done things opposite to earn your love. But that's not the conversation. God comes to you today and he looks at you and he says, listen, I choose you. And then he asks this. He asked it to James and John and to Peter and to every disciple. He even asked it to a rich young ruler and he responded a different way. He'll say to you, will you follow me? Not, do you want to stay where you are and get my blog? He says, will you follow me? And man, if you haven't done that, today during this song, it's a time of this. And here's how I did it as a young man, okay? And it's, this is not in the scripture, this is like a tradition. I came forward and I knelt at an altar and I told Jesus that I was going to follow him. And after I told Jesus, I stood up and I went to somebody that I thought or seemed to be mature in their faith and I told them. You can tell me, you can tell Charlie or Anita, they're back there, Right? You can tell Ron Miner, you can tell uh, Hot Rod, you can tell Pastor Chris, you can tell Bill Cobb, right? you can tell Rachel, Sabre, you can, there's Valerie right here, you can, you can just tell them. Just, uh, Jay and Kathy, go to them and say, hey, I just told Jesus that I'm going to follow him, and now I need, to tell, I need to tell you. Man, best decision of 2016. What a way to start off the year. The next one is I've been baptized. If you haven't done that, there, I didn't give a reason why. If you haven't done that, we're going to do that in a couple weeks. You need to register for baptism either on a Connect card or an app. You need to do things in the right order. Now, some of you are like, oh, ah. you got to move into what Jesus says to do. Step three, acknowledge the Holy Spirit's working in your life. Man, so this altar ought to be full of people who have been saved and baptized but have ignored the Spirit's working in your life. Some people can't believe that we're a Baptist church talking about the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit's real. It's alive, and he's moving in the hearts of the men and women of this church. And it's time that you acknowledge his moving and to do what he's asked you to do. Step four, I understand my identity is found in Jesus. Man, some of us don't. We've got to work on that. I've given God space to prepare me. We've got to go to preparation. I'm serving in ministry. I'm making disciples who make disciples. Where are you currently in this process of following Jesus? That's what Jesus did. Where are you? Salvation, baptism, spirit, identity, and so on, and so on, and so on. Can I pray for you? Father, these next five minutes are for you. Holy, Holy Spirit, we invite you to move into the lives of your people. We invite you to tell us what we need to do. Father, you win, and we want to win. We can only win in you. It's in Christ's name we pray.